on the evening of that first day of the week when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. This headline seems to come from the worst of conspiracy theorists. You know, the ones saying that they, whoever they are, already have a cure for cancer or diabetes or countless other disease, but they're hiding it because big pharmaceutical companies would lose massive profits. But there it was in the Washington Post earlier this week, the headline screaming, Pfizer had clues that its blockbuster drug could prevent Alzheimer's. Why didn't it tell the world? And the article printed out to over 10 pages, offering speculation, sharing statistics, explaining the theories that researchers have come to in the, in the decades that they've tried to, to combat this disease. But in short, there's a drug that the company produces called Enbrel, which is treated to complete a completely different chronic illness. Four years ago, a, a team of researchers claimed that this pill could reduce the risk of Alzheimer's by 64%, stating that the, they were convinced that the drug could safely prevent and treat and even slow the progression of Alzheimer's disease. And after you got past the official public relations statements from the company disputing this claim, and you read further explanations about patents and competition between different drug companies, there was this anonymous quote from a reporter that the reporter attributed to a former Pfizer executive. And quite simply, why didn't they share this information? He says, I think the financial cases they won't be making any money off of it. I don't want to be cynical or naive. Neither seems appropriate for a man of my age who is also a priest. But I had both reactions as well as a, a few others from the moment I first read that headline and on through the rest of this week as I, I read the story or I just kept thinking about it. I kept thinking they wouldn't hold back a potential blockbuster cure for a debilitating illness that's devastated families because of a profit chart. I mean, these drug companies have employees who are suffering from this illness, or they know people who are. Of course they would want to help them if they could, right? This could be a life-changing gift. Why wouldn't they share it? And sadly, the article didn't really give any other 
plausible explanation. There was an, an interview with some executive who withheld the information. There wasn't a response from the leaders of Pfizer saying that now that this news has come to light, that they'll conduct new research or disclose fully whatever they've already known so that it could be of help to people sooner rather than later. It's infuriating. Granted, scientific experiments and discoveries are a rarely cut and dry kind of thing. So just to give Pfizer the benefit of the doubt, it's possible this could just turn out to be another example of the media trying to create news rather than report it. But Pfizer needs to do more than just issue a general press release dismissing the possibilities out of hand. Because otherwise we're left jaw dropped by the callousness of their refusing to answer that question. Why not share such a life-changing gift? Because perhaps it's going to be something as simple as human nature that we shouldn't be naive or cynical about, that at the end of the day it always comes down to that fundamental common question. If we share something, anything, what is the cost? And oftentimes that determines whether we're going to act or not. Today, the church celebrates Pentecost. And like all the big events in the church, there's a lot to this celebration. If you were in my CCD class, you'd remember the teacher bringing a cake in to remind us it's the church's birthday. I particularly remember that because it was an ice cream cake. So if you want a fourth grader's attention, Mrs. Damiano knew bringing an ice cream cake. You might have heard over the years that in the past that this is the end of the Easter season, that the word Pentecost means 50. So it's been 50 days since Easter, and this is closing out this joyous season. And both are, are true aspects for today, but they can kind of distract us from what's most essential. We remember God the Father who created all that is. God the Son, Jesus Christ, whose life and death and resurrection has brought salvation to the entire world. On Pentecost, we focus on God the Holy Spirit and recall how he's been poured out in abundance on the church. The church is a single body and on each and every one of her members. Of the three members of the Trinitarian God, the Holy Spirit is probably the, the most mysterious. Just thinking back to that first reading, we hear him described as a, a strong driving wind tongues of fire, and immediately transforming those who have received him. Just consider some of the dramatic and diverse ways that that's happened. The Holy Spirit's gifts empower those first disciples to become Christ's hands and feet and voice and heart. They go from weak, confused, scared individuals in a locked upper room to strongly and eloquently and boldly sharing the story of salvation of Jesus Christ to the world. He convicted them of the truth of all of God's promises, reminding them of all that they themselves had experienced and learned, and then igniting them to go out and passionately share what they had received. The Holy Spirit strengthened the early church in unimaginable ways to endure horrendous persecution. The Holy Spirit has encouraged men and women of every generation from the first days of Christ to now in our very day and age to be faithful believers even at the cost 
of their physical lives themselves. We have untold numbers of martyrs of Jesus Christ who have counted that cost as nothing in the face of eternal life to come. The Holy Spirit enables the followers of Jesus to reshape the world, offering Jesus' healing and Jesus' forgiveness. The Holy Spirit makes it possible for the church through the sacraments to make Jesus' continued presence and care for his people real. The Holy Spirit makes the church herself and all the members the body of Christ. And when we just take a moment and reflect on all that, all that's been accomplished by those who've not just received that gift, but welcomed it and unpacked it and kept utilizing it. We know that the only reason that we're here today as Catholic Christians ourselves, the reason that a beautiful church like this even exists that we can walk into, is because those who went before us knew this life-changing gift themselves and wouldn't even consider not sharing it. And if they did ask themselves, what was the personal cost? Praise God, they still went ahead and did whatever the Lord was moving and directing them to do. Think of the, the countless young men and women who heard God's call to give up their lives and to serve as a priest or a religious sister or brother and did so faithfully, sacrificially for decades. This parish alone, over a century, You've had religious sisters and priests here who faithfully serve this community. Think of that coupled with all the collective efforts of so many selfless laymen and women who generously put the needs of others before their own that has made the Catholic Church the single greatest charitable enterprise that the world has ever seen. That is a fact. The Holy Spirit has, from the church's beginning, prompted us to use all the diverse gifts and talents of all of us to care for the sick, to attend to the needs of the poor, to feed the hungry, and being oftentimes the only voice of defense, of compassion for those that society has marginalized, whether it's the unborn, whether it's the immigrant, whether it's the prisoner. We know all this but it can get drowned out in the drumbeat of negativity that we see and hear. The sadly accurate headlines that record horrific examples of utter selfishness or greed can depress and discourage us to forget those things. But the Holy Spirit has always been and remains working, transforming not only the church, but the world. So what we celebrate tonight is this gift of the Holy Spirit isn't being a, a, just a historical one-time thing. This isn't simply a, a remembrance or a recollection. We're not just closing out the Easter season and putting the decorations in a box until next year. The celebration of Pentecost is renewing for us who have been baptized and confirmed. We have been gifted with that Holy Spirit and that history of goodness that he has inspired and guided and directed continues right here and right now in this time and space for you and for me. How is he stirring within us, within you? What life-changing thing is he prompting us to do to, to meet the needs that he sees? Can we move past the to predictable human impulses and trust him enough to recognize that 
whatever the cost, it's too important for us not to share this gift. 